0: You are listening to The Body Charge Podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Welcome to The Body Charge Podcast. Today's topic is mineral deficiency, hormones, and heart rhythm. How do mineral deficiencies affect hormone balance and thyroid function? How do excessive estrogenic compounds and chemicals suppress magnesium, for instance? how is it related to excessive weight gain, hypothyroidism, chronic fatigue, and metabolic syndrome? There is also a difference between natural estrogen, uh, and so endogenously produced estrogen, and the synthesized version of estrogen or the pill. Um, and they can affect the body differently. For instance, the pill can um, make you get symptoms of magnesium deficiency, which is actually what happened to me in my Previous life, <laughs> before magnesium. My special guest today is Fallon Morningstar, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who graduated with a master's degree from Penn State in the area of environmental engineering. Her research paper is centred around minerals in the environment and how they interplay in the body. Fallon's health journey struggling with digestive discomfort, insomnia, fatigue, hair loss, muscle soreness, irregular menstrual cycles, and emotional eating motivated her to find the solutions. Now she specializes in women's health issues. So welcome, Fallon. Lovely to have you on the Body Charge podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be here. My first question is what kind of symptoms are associated with the mineral deficiencies, the most common ones, particularly for women in their for their hormone balance? Uh, And can you describe your personal journey or give some examples of this? Absolutely. This is a great question.
1: When we think of mineral imbalances, the symptoms, we can think of brain fog. We can think of poor sleep, um, fatigue, definitely being a heavy one that I see, and even fertility, like infertility um, concerns. So it is minerals really run the show in my opinion, at least, and in the research that I've done. And to give some examples of specific minerals, let's look at zinc. So zinc is one that really supports estrogen's role as well as progesterone. And so it helps their balance. And we know that these two hormones are essential for women's health, right? Progesterone helping to maintain a healthy pregnancy, estrogen supporting that reproductive health as well. So even... The mineral zinc, like if you are low in it, we could have some impairment in our reproductive health.
0: And also skin, muscle, bone, skin, yeah. the whole integumentary system relies on, mag- on on both zinc and magnesium. But uh, yeah. zinc is often used also in products that protect the skin barrier um, yeah. and, and sunscreens as well. So, so it's very important. I'd say probably the second most important mineral to the body. Um, yeah according to quite a number of researchers, into minerals. Um, and today we don't really get enough of those important minerals to support a healthy, optimal uh, lifestyle. And and our health and well-being tends to suffer. We get overloaded and then we don't have enough resources to recover from that mm-hmm. overload.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same thing with um, potassium. Potassium. With selenium, these are all very important as well. Even iodine for thyroid health. So a lot of women are experiencing this fatigue and they're experiencing this weight gain. And it might be as simple, or it's still complex, but might be as simple as having low potassium because the potassium cannot get into the cell. The thyroid hormone itself cannot function. And we know that thyroid hormone is extremely important for metabolism, for our gut health. So we see how these... Just minor minerals need to be imbalanced to help our whole system function. And yes, so
0: you mentioned potassium, that's also really important. They the most abundant mineral found inside cells together with magnesium is potassium. And magnesium, researchers have found Its activity to charge the cell membrane helps potassium stay inside. And when you don't have enough magnesium, the channels get looser. The membrane loses integrity and too much calcium flows out. So the cell loses it, leaks. And then if you leak and lose your your potassium, that affects the heart rhythm. So it's all like a chain of events, isn't it? Like a domino effect.
1: Yes, absolutely. And certainly potassium really helps our insulin sensitivity. So when we don't have enough, it's very common to have that imbalance of blood sugar.
0: Yes, because then the body doesn't get enough oxygen for the um, metabolism for mitochondria to make ATP, electrical energy. And then it has to go to anaerobic uh, production, which is the sugar cycle. And that produces so much more acid in the body. So the acidosis then goes up. It's harder to keep your pH in balance. So it's such an interconnected web, isn't it? And that then affects your hormones. Hormones are proteins. So how do you make the proteins? How do you manufacture any proteins like collagen, hormones, um, enzymes are proteins. They all need the minerals, right? Exactly, yeah. I've even
1: heard with magnesium, I've heard upwards of 42% of our enzymatic processes are magnesium-dependent, which is maybe like
0: over 3,700, I believe. Um, That's that's the interaction because it's a cofactor. But even to make any protein in the body, you have to have magnesium present in the production of proteins itself to join those amino acids together and make our own endogenous proteins. We have to have enough magnesium. And if we don't, then the body's still trying to do it and it's getting somewhere in part, but not optimally, you know? And so it's like, I think a computer running on safe mode, it's sort of yes. working, but we we don't get all the full function, do we? Yes. I think, you know, magnesium
1: burn rate is a thing when we're in very much high stress mode, we are burning through more minerals. So it's almost like we need to accept the fact that we are always gonna have stress, right? And how can we support ourselves in managing that stress and getting in more minerals through food and through supplementation?
0: Now, it's, it's interesting, um, the hormone balance thing, because when hormones are out of whack, it can affect how the brain works, how you digest food, it can affect your gut health. It's a bit, for me, like a chicken and egg thing. So one feedback loop affects the other. So then you accumulate maybe some bad bugs in the gut that then affect how the brain works and your, your handling of stress, the whole central nervous system. And then when that feels more stress, you move more into that um, acidic sugar burning cycle, which produces more acids, which makes us feel even worse and more stressed. And the more stress you have, the more your kidneys pee out magnesium. <laughs> so it's a downward spiral. <laughs> It is, yes, yeah.
1: and I think that's why integrative health is so important to look at the whole system and not say I'm having fatigue and take some sort of um, being labeled as having adrenal fatigue, let's say, or being labeled as having um, IBS and having like that diagnosis rather than looking at the whole system of like, why is that actually happening? What in your life is, is occurring for those minerals to be deficient? I don't think that minerals are really looked at much in Western side. And I think we as holistic practitioners or we as like functional health practitioners, I think it's very important to continue to look at the whole system and realize how important these minerals are to our heartbeat, to our digestive function, to our liver, detoxifying, et cetera.
0: It's hugely important because, as you would know, we are mostly made up of water, water molecules, and that water works best when it can conduct electrical energy. So as a conductor, it needs electrolytes in the water of every cell of the body. And so when people get things like, you know, um, Infections, uh, inflammations, uh, sepsis—it's always some kind of pollution event, isn't it? That that piles up, and it can't be—it's not eliminated very well, and that pollution then starts to break down tissue because it's acidic. And and so, from the practitioners that I deal with a lot, you know, we, that you know, we deal with using electromagnesium transdermally um overall the overarching uh feeling is that they're always working to detox it doesn't really matter what the label is as you said there's many labels many labels always the branches go back to the same trunk of the tree and that in that something's gone wrong with the detox something's gone wrong with metabolism and energy production and so teasing that out and working that out on an individual level is is the task really isn't it not a matter of as you said covering it up putting a band-aid on or taking an aspirin it's all those techniques are uh techniques of suppression but don't really address the issue that caused the problem do they yeah yeah and I think
1: you know you didn't get that way in a week a day and it's not going to solve itself in that period of time too it's i think it's about this constant gentle support to come back into balance and i think i know when i first started my journey it was almost like i was just trying and trying to heal myself right (laughs) because i just wanted to feel better and i think i've had these periods of time where these layers of this, this new look into more of my system comes open and it's just an, another opportunity to bring yourself back into harmony. I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect health. I think it is just because honestly, the environment that we are living in today, and I think it's just a matter (laughs) very challenging. My gosh. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, you know, continuing on the journey, picking yourself up, and moving on just one step at a time, day by day, helping to bring your system back into balance over and over and over again.
0: And also with the conviction that there is never a problem you can't solve if you stick with it, if you keep searching for the answers, they come, they come, because everything exists out there. And when we feel like really low and there's no solution and no way out, that's an illusion that's just because we can't see where the open door is. But if we stick with it and we're persistent, we find that open door, right? We find the right practitioner, the right solution, the right strategy, the right thing to do. Um, And it's a matter, I think, of relating to other people as well and going to find the help that you need. If you need some help, you're not getting it perhaps maybe from the doctor that you have been going to just know that there are other practitioners out there get a second or a third opinion just keep looking keep searching keep learning so that's yeah. what the journey is about isn't it learning absolutely yes and I think it's
1: great to look for practitioners and and supportive people because I think we are here to help heal each other so we can continue to to rise up But I also think it takes a good amount of doing your own due diligence and being your own health detective in your journey because you are your best advocate.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's taking responsibility. Uh, A lot of, I think, soul searching and introspection is involved to really understand who you are, where you came from, what might be... um, Programs in, in, that were lodged when you were a child, you know, that are still running in the background that don't make any sense, no logical sense, but they're emotional traumas that may have happened. You don't even remember what they were. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a matter of like uh, uncovering the real you, peeling back the layers that may have come over the top from the environment, from media, from other people, from, you know, false ideas or paradigms um, because, to be connected with others, I think the impetus, you know, when we're teenagers is to follow the peers and do what, you know, we ex- we think others expect us to do and be like them, And but we, but we can't copy others. It's the wrong pathway. It's important to understand them and know who they are, but it's also important to know that you are different for a good reason. There's everyone is unique. There is no person in the whole world just like you. I think that's quite magical that concept itself. and mm-hmm. and when you know that you then you start to find your own integrity, your own individuality and feel good about it and build build the positives, build the gifts that that uh, you're given. Um, and then you you can produce more, do more, be more effective in your environment, it's a bit hard though because that's very a mental thing and sometimes we're physically depleted so as you said we need that holistic approach to work from both ends towards the middle so mind and body together to achieve yeah. that balance. So um I have uh, I wanted to ask a special question about um PCOS a polycystic ovary syndrome. Apparently, because a friend of mine has it, and about 10% of women they've found so far, roughly, have this condition, which gives you a little bit more testosterone in the mix. And they've been able to tie it to certain uh, series of genes. Um, so when someone ha- discovers they have this, and it's really hard to find out, apparently, because some of the symptoms just overlap with so many other conditions, um, until they're trying to have a child and check out their fertility, they don't really go deep enough into getting a diagnosis like that. Do you, do you have experience in that particular area? PCOS is not necessarily my niche.
1: I do know that um, I had a friend as well who had it, and she had a huge difficulty trying to get pregnant. She ended up having to go through IVF um, treatment and successfully, um, had, they had a a child. However, I think PCOS, I, I honestly think sometimes diagnoses put us in a box and then we're like, this is who I am. This is, I have this PCOS and it's almost limiting if we allow it to be. And I think, um, if you are able to balance your blood sugar I think PCOS is hugely like you do have insulin resistance big time with PCOS. If you're able to help support, you know, I, I believe she was taking um, an inositol to support reproductive yes, health. Yes, yes. I've yeah. heard that's quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think there were a lot of other lifestyle shifts that she could have made to support that, um, to support her uh, fertility journey. However, I think PCOS, I've heard from another person that I know who had it, that she had a lot of trauma in her womb space. And so when she started to explore that area and move energy around and certainly shift her lifestyle, this um, these symptoms of PCOS kind of dissolved.
0: Wow. And so-
1: it, it's amazing. really magical. Yeah. It, it can be very magical if you continue to expand yourself and not allow that label to hinder you. But I think sometimes it is helpful because it's like a, co- a great direction
0: to but learn more about. You, you know what to compensate with. You, yeah. For instance, me, for instance, I have the hypothyroid condition. I, I discovered that through uh, my own health crisis many years ago. And I realized that For me to be normal and functional, where I feel really good, I need three times the recommended amount of magnesium. So we're all so different. And it's a matter of just learning about your own, um, you know, who you are and what you need to be well to get that equilibrium, to get that nice balance. And it's different for everyone. Yes, I totally agree.
1: I myself need a lot of magnesium as well um, because I do have thyroid challenges and, um, I think one person can take one cap of, of magnesium and they have a very intense bowel movement, while another person can take, you know, seven, they can work up to 700 milligrams yep. and they're totally
0: fine. <laughs> and it's so, the same I, with vitamin C as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I know the bowel when tolerance I, is an issue with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Why we went transdermal. <laughs> so nice. Okay. You can bypass yeah. that system altogether.
1: Yeah. And I, with my clients, I really, Every single supplement that I might recommend, we do slowly titrate up because some people are just much more
0: sensitive. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. very, very good. And going back to the issue of um, labeling and not being caught in a box, um, I think people have an idea that genetics is is a concrete box. And when you get um, an assessment or analysis or testing done, then that's it and you're, you're stuck in there. But Bruce Lipton, who did a lot of research into it, said, well, no, there are many d- different dials and settings in those genes. And the genes are responsive to environment. So it depends on your environmental conditions and you can move, move the dial a bit further on. You can change how you express those genes simply by changing your lifestyle, your environment, what you put into your body, you're exposed to, you know, reducing your stresses. um, uh, So many things come to play, but that can can help significantly. So we don't have to stay in that concrete box, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think
1: even in my own, even in my own health journey, I've, you know, my family has a history of some cancer and type two diabetes and Honestly, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the family. I think just I took health yeah. to a totally Me another too. level.
0: Black sheep.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not- almost like we had to do that.
0: <laughs> my my, my motto has always been not this little black duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I love that. <laughs> exactly. And it's like we are um picking up some of the lost pieces that our family has has given us and we're taking a totally different turn because honestly, we need to. You shared you have thyroid concerns and same with myself it's like these symptoms came for me at an early age 26 and I thought I was dying you know from all of these health yeah. symptoms that continued to pile on and I'm like I don't understand how you guys didn't get like this you know and so you, yeah. you have to make that hard decision and well,
0: some people can take a lot more than others I know I have to be very careful with my diet, what foods I combine so that I can digest it properly. Uh, other people can just throw anything in there and eat it and they're fine. And, enough, you know, they they have no digestive issues. I really yeah, admire that. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, I, I've recognised I'm different and I just have to do different things. And it is the way it is, right? Yeah. I, I,
1: it's a continuous acceptance of self. <laughs>
0: Well, it helps you move forward because when you accept it, then you get strength. Because in that acceptance, you know how to do it better, and that's empowering. And when you become empowered, you you nothing holds you back. You you have no disabilities, except yeah. the one your mind creates, right? Yes,
1: exactly. That's a. I honestly think our thoughts can make us sick. So if we have the same negative feedback loop every single day, like it's almost inevitable. Like we will experience some pretty severe health challenges and it's up to us to change our mind. And that's why I think even meditation is huge for that very thing. It's not to do anything except to help your brain and to help your mindset with your health. It's to help your nervous system become more regulated. So then it helps your hormone production, your gut functioning and your neurotransmitter health. It's a, I know I'm saying this because when I started meditation back in 2020, I was very resistant. I'm like, we're not doing this. And however, when the symptoms came up, I was almost like, okay, I'll do anything to just feel better. And that just clicked. After about a week of creating this habit, I'm like, okay, there's something to this.
0: So, you know what's happening? By, by learning those techniques, you're um, uh, creating a safe space, a calm space for your body to do its own thing, which it can't heal and repair or even detox if the adrenaline's always pumping. If you're feeling constant anxiety and stress, the adrenaline is always pushing out. And while that's happening, you're not healing, repairing, or detoxing. And and that's why it's difficult for people who can't sleep properly, because that's the biggest time where cells repair. Everything has to be cleaned out, repairs made. It's all done while we sleep. We have to be really super relaxed for that process to happen. And it's interfered with when we're in fight or flight. Now, magnesium directly suppresses adrenaline. It's like a seesaw effect. So that's why, and we, when we lose magnesium, we become more easily um, stressed. We can't handle the stress very well. So little things become big things. We become super sensitive to any tiny little thing. And as we get more magnesium stored in our tissue cells, in our reserves, we can handle the stress much better. We become resilient. You feel stronger on the inside. It's definitely, definitely that mineral strength you feel building up. And we need to have those reserves because you don't know, today might be a relaxing day, but tomorrow may be supercharged and just burning the candle at both ends. So you need extra reserves more than what you would be consuming for that day. That's why cells store minerals for just in case. You know, we need those reserves. And it takes time to build them up, often several months if you've been quite depleted. Is Absolutely. that been in your experience with the people that you help? It takes quite a you know a fair bit of time to
1: rebuild. It does. It, it does. And I, I think sometimes we just want that quick fix, and it's almost like this is just you know again you didn't get like this in in a week or so. It's going to take a lot of time. And I've noticed that even within myself, you know, I've done um, some mineral status like blood testing as far as magnesium and um, the hair tissue mineral analysis. And so it's been quite some time for my minerals to slowly creep up and creep up um, because I didn't realize how depleted they were getting before all of those compounding symptoms came up to the forefront that I needed to actually do something with my health. So it does
0: take time. Yeah. By the time you get symptoms, it's like can be quite, you know, severe.
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Symptoms are the very last thing to show up. And I think sometimes when you have sort of like a health crisis happen and you kind of rewind and go back of like, how did that actually come to be what it is? What happened prior to that? So I can more or less be introspective, not necessarily be analytical and judging self, but be introspective about how did that actually occur? Because certainly we don't want to, how can I support you better? How can we support ourselves better? And I think it's, that introspective time, like going back to the meditation and actually having space to feel safe in our own body, because when we have those big things that happen, we don't feel safe in our body. And it takes time to build that relationship again, to come back into harmony again, to regulate our cortisol again. And, um, I think I see that with clients a lot when,
0: yeah, it reminds me of, um, uh, Growing a baby in your womb. Your body needs to be very relaxed and calm. It makes you want to sleep a lot because it's building up reserves. You've got to feed this new child growing. And you can't be rushing around like like a maniac, you know, on full speed on the treadmill. It's not good for you or the baby. And uh, all that stress um, has an effect on the child as well. So, So um, women, I think, need to be very aware of, you know, not only their hormone balance, um, but, you know, their activity in life, the balance in the lifestyle as well is, am I behaving the right way? Am I behaving in a way which supports the growing of my new child? And because you want it to be safe and secure, you want it to feel loved, that little person inside. So, um. It's very important. I think your work that you're doing with women, um, because preparing to have a child is just as important. It's getting your body ready to to be fertile and to carry that child and to make sure that that child has the best resources for yeah. for a healthy birth and a healthy life. Yeah.
1: So when I think sometimes, I was going to say I think sometimes. I know this was, was my case. And some of my clients have been on a form of contraceptive at some point in their life. And typically it's the hormonal birth control pill. And that very much interacts with our hormones, right? It disconnects our brain with our ovaries. It um, depletes our B vitamins, our magnesium, it impacts our liver function. And I think if a lot of ladies have been on this for five plus years, like maybe even 10 years, I know myself, it was a decade and such a critical time for women's reproductive health, because typically it starts at 16, 18, relatively in that time frame. And I I don't think that we are gentle enough with ourselves when we get off of that, because it's it's almost like this thought of i'm going to stop this this birth control pill now in january because i'm ready to have a child and then maybe say march or april comes around and we're trying to get pregnant and it just sometimes it doesn't work
0: and yeah, yeah it got used to that that system and it's hard yeah. to shift oh, i don't know how people can stay on it for years in, the, in my past, I could not tolerate more than three months of the pill before yeah. my heart went into dysarrhythmia, irregular heartbeats, um, yeah. because it was so depleting my magnesium levels. Because with the thyroid issue, you don't have much margin of error. You don't have much to play with. Um, so you have to be very, very careful of the pill or similar medications that are heavily estrogen-based. Yeah. So I uh, so I've been very wary ever since then. Um, and I was lucky that my husband at the time got his, his uh, I don't know what I call it, vasectomy done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I, you know, to be honest. I knew what you were,
1: I knew where you were going. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I was um much healthier after that. Um, just coming off that type of medication. Yeah. Yeah. So you have mm-hmm. to have a good assessment and you have to have a good practitioner to help you work it out. So if people want yeah. to connect with you or find out more about what you do, where should they go?
1: So within the, I pretty sure within the time that this comes out, you can go to www.fallonmorningstar.com. You can feel free to send me an email at discover at fallonmorningstar.com. Instagram is another wonderful place. I'm usually always on, and that is at fallonmorningstar.
0: Wonderful. And thank you so much for being on the Body Charge podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. I hope you liked this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge and recover.